Welcome to the Learn, Liken, and Lift podcast. I'm your coach, Carrie Hickenlooper. Let's get started. Episode 162, Not Taking Offense. So how do you react when someone accuses you of doing something you didn't do or accuses you of being something you're not? Do you get defensive? Do you feel hurt and offended? Do you get a little feisty and start shooting back your own accusations? Letting them know the list of weaknesses that you've observed in them? In the 13th year of the reign of the judges, Captain Moroni has just learned about the victories of Helaman and his army, but he's also heard about their afflictions, namely their need for more men and for more supplies to support those men so that they can hold on to the territories that they've reclaimed. Then there's the afflictions in Moroni's army. While Amaron, the Lamanite king, seems to be having this endless support of men who are coming into his army, the Nephites who are near the city of Nephiha they're outnumbered and they were overpowered. And though the city ends up falling to the Lamanites, it's not. Before, there's just a huge slaughter of Nephites. And those that remained have now fled to Moroni. And hearing how Helaman's army had recaptured their territory, but hadn't been strengthened and reinforced like they ought to have been, Moroni turns his attention to whose responsibility it is to send those men and provisions. And that was Pahoran who's the chief judge and the governor over all of the Nephite people. Now, as your coach, (laughs) I would definitely advise you to handle your conflicts face-to-face or voice-to-voice, but not through text. But back in the year 62 BC, epistles were the necessary means of communicating. And so Moroni writes two epistles, and he's addressing the neglect that the armies are suffering under. And in the second epistle, he condemns Pahoran for sitting upon his throne idly and thoughtlessly enjoying his comforts and the protection that those around him are providing him, while the Nephite army, in turn, is suffering hunger and thirst and fatigue and death, all for the cause of liberty. And Moroni chastises Pahoran for doing nothing while expecting to be delivered by God, and and he called Pahoran to repentance while warning him that the judgments of God are going to come upon him because of his slothfulness and his neglect. Moroni called upon Pahoran to reunite with Moroni and the men of liberty in strength, but he also then expresses his doubt for Pahoran's true intentions towards liberty. Supposing even that perhaps Pahoran desired power and authority, and even mused that perhaps Pahoran was a traitor. He even ended the epistle with a threat of coming to the land of Zarahemla himself and taking Pahoran's life if, if it's found that Pahoran is standing in the way of liberty and causing the army to suffer because of it. So, as you can see, these are heated accusations. Moroni's words are bold and determined and truthful, and it was 
everything really that I would desire my chief captain who is over my welfare. It's everything I would want him to be. And it's important to note that these aren't the words of a man who is seeking power and authority over another. These are the words of a warrior that has been fighting for liberty for 12 years or more who has seen good men die, who has seen miracles take place, who has fought for liberty both against Lamanites and Nephite dissenters and Nephites who still remain with the people, but they desire to take away the liberty of the Nephites and place a king over them instead, who are seeking power and authority from them. And he has seen the suffering of his people, and he has suffered right beside them. And if the government is being gluttonous at the expense of the people, Moroni was going to take care of it. Also, at this time, Moroni is very aware of the growing wickedness of the people, and it must have been so discouraging. I'm sure he wondered why all the Nephites couldn't just get on and stay on the same page of liberty, let alone stay true to their covenants that they've made with God. Moroni firmly believes in and is a witness to the strength that the Nephites receive when they are obedient And he is a witness of the weakening that they experience when they're not. He knew for himself that their success in protecting or gaining back their lands, it greatly depended on the people's faithfulness. And he also was keenly aware of the vulnerability that they had experienced when the kingmen refused to fight and take up arms against the Lamanites and then were delighted when the Lamanites came up against them. They even saw this and took it to their advantage to restrict the people's liberty even more during these times. And Moroni believed God's words. He saw it to be true that the inner vessel shall be cleaned first, and then shall the outer vessel be cleansed also. He knew that to win the outside war, they would first need to win the inside war. And in Moroni's eyes, that was the war that they were fighting against themselves and the war of rebellion that was happening within their hearts. And Moroni's instincts aren't wrong or off track here. Something was thwarting the progress of liberty. It just wasn't Bahorin. (laughs) It wasn't Bahorin being neglectful and power obsessed. It was the rise again of these kingmen. And this time they had flattered enough people to their way of seeing things that they were able to withhold provisions and intimidate the freemen enough so that Bahorn was even chased out of Zarahemla. He fled. He was no longer there. And they had appointed a king named Pecus. And this king had joined in an alliance with the Lamanite king Amaron. And they had made this agreement to allow the Lamanites to come in and to conquer the rest of the Nephite land. So as you can see, Bahorin is not to blame. Yet, here he is in the position of being called out by the Captain Moroni, the beloved and the noble Captain Moroni. And Bahorin is completely mischaracterized. And as he reads Moroni's epistle, he sees that his character is being thrashed and Moroni's opinion of him is deteriorating. Now, because of these false accusations and the intensity in which they were delivered, Pahoran very well could have been offended. 
he could have found fault with Moroni, challenged Moroni's character, and could have even viewed Moroni as an enemy. It's not really too far of a stretch to see how Pahoran could have easily allowed his pride to rise up, that he could have puffed himself up and spewed back to Moroni a very defensive epistle. Pahoran could have been contentious. He could have been conceited and reminded Moroni of who he was and what his authority was, which would then just created more of this competition and enmity between these two men. But he didn't do that. Gratefully, he didn't allow his pride to inflame. Or at least, if it did, he waited till he was cooled off to write his epistle. Because truthfully, there wasn't time for that. Actually, any back and forth of epistles justifying each man's behavior until they felt heard and understood would have just only wasted really precious time at this moment. So instead, we see Pahoran turn the cheek and display the following conflict resolution skills. And the first one is he didn't doubt any ill intent on Moroni's part. He didn't allow his mind to go to this fault-finding, unnecessary criticism land. And instead, Perhorn looked for the good and he held on to what he knew Moroni to be. Moroni wasn't displaying any new and shocking behavior. And Perhorn, he chose to not allow Moroni's words to rewrite who he knew Moroni to be. Pahoran knew Moroni to be great in heart, and he held on to that truth in his mind, despite the words of Moroni. I love that. I also like how Pahoran knew who he was, despite Moroni's accusations. Sometimes our anger and our offensiveness rise up within us because within our hearts, there's a small part of us that is doubting and questioning Uh, who we know ourselves to be. And we wonder if the criticisms that we're receiving, we wonder if it's right. But because Bohorin knew who he was, he knew he wasn't seeking power and he only desired to fulfill his office so that he could preserve the rights and the liberties of his people. And he also knew exactly where his soul stood. It stood with liberty and with God. And he was secure in that. And he could respond to Moroni in that space, which then shows us an example of another skill, and that is his self-resiliency in being the master of his emotions. He wasn't reactive with Moroni. In fact, he said, and now in your epistle, you have censored me, but it mattereth not. I'm not angry. Do you see the emotional resiliency in that response? Anger would have just been so distracting when critical stratagem is really necessary. We need these two men to work together. And anger would have just made their current circumstances, it would have made it all about them. And not about the people that both of these men had covenanted to serve and protect. And he also remembered the big picture. Bohorn didn't get caught up in the details of the possible offense. This is so important for us to to keep in mind, to keep the big picture in mind, especially when we're working with a group for a common good. Don't make it about you. Instead, think about the big picture. And this actually happened to me recently. 
where I was falsely and unjustly accused of something, kind of called out in a group. And even though I knew that the chastisement was uncalled for and actually kind of a bit grandiose in my opinion, I I chose to turn the other cheek. The goal for this planning session and everybody's time was not to build my ego. And it wasn't to cripple the ego of that person who was speaking offense to me. It was to plan a function and dividing myself and nursing hurt feelings would have only just wasted time. So I chose to let it go. And Pahoran did the same. He briefly explained his predicament and the facts of the coup that had taken place. And then he turned his sights back onto the Battle of Liberty because that was their common goal. And that's where they could unite. And because Bohorin kept their common goal front and center, he was then able to take this schism that existed between the two men, and he was able to unite their hearts together again. You see this as Bohorin begins then to dictate orders to Moroni about bringing a small number of men with him, about leaving Lehi and Tiencum in charge of the remainder of the army, about telling Moroni to come up to battle with him against these dissenters, about being willing to fight side by side with Moroni, and even finding value in what Moroni had counseled him. Moroni's words gave Perhorin the wisdom that he had actually been seeking. Isn't that neat? He now knew how to deal with the kingsmen because of the chastisement that Moroni was giving him when he thought Perhorin was a traitor. And that's the perspective that unless the wicked repent and stop trying to remove their liberty, they are under commandment by the Lord to go up against them. And this gave Pahorn the courage and kind of the kick in the pants that he needed to move forward. So do you see these skills that actually diffused contention and instead created unity? Pahorn doubted the bad. He didn't allow his brain to mischaracterize what he knew to be true about Moroni. Instead, he affirmed the good and the noble that's found in Moroni. He also held on to what he knew to be true about himself, that he didn't react out of a place of fear, that he needed to to defend himself because he was fearing that he was failing or that he wasn't of worth or that he was losing Moroni's respect. And he instead practiced self-reliancy with his emotions and controlling any temptation of anger or pride that might be tempted to rise up in him, which then allowed him to quickly remember the big picture or the common goal that he had with Captain Moroni, that he and Captain Moroni shared together, which then enabled him to then move forward under the belief that they would work together, that they would unite, and here is the plan. Isn't that cool? And that is exactly what these two men did. And you know what? Credit to Moroni too. He didn't hold on to his false assumptions. He didn't allow his pride to refuse to be wrong about Perhorin. Instead, he accepted the sincerity of Perhorin, and he then honored and then he acted upon the direction that he received from the chief governor of the land. And I know because of this conflict resolution, 
that the Lord was then able to work through these two men and their armies. Because they're working together, it finally ended a long and laborious and deadly war that the Nephites had been suffering under for years. And I don't know if it would have been possible if these men hadn't reduced this contention. But because both of these men were committed to their people and their God and their liberty, their hearts knew exactly how to move forward. So what is our takeaway today? Hopefully, prayerfully, I hope for you that whatever contention that you're dealing with today or that you're going to deal with in the near future, I hope that it can be de-escalated with the same emotional resiliency and maturity that Pahorn exercised. What a leader, right? Not only for his countrymen, but for those of us who are seeking more peace in our relationships. Okay, go and practice this, and we'll meet up next week.